All right. So we're going to be getting back into Jonah. Before we do, let's open up in prayer. God, we thank you so much uh, for sending your son to die on the cross for us, that we may live and be reconciled back to you. Thank you for sending us a helper and dwelling within us, Father. As we think about Pentecost Sunday, about all the amazing things that you have done through the power of your spirit, we just thank you, God. And we ask that you would continue to move within us today, that you would continue to move in our midst. We're eager for you to move, and we're eager to experience you, God. God, we pray that we're glorifying and honor you. It's in your holy, precious, mighty, matchless name of Jesus I ask these things. Amen. All right, so I'm sorry I'm, I'm kind of getting over a sore throat, so that's why I sound a little funky, or I always do, but um, we are going to be getting back into Jonah. So last week, uh, with Pastor Richard, we went over God speaks. How does God speak to us? Uh, he, he reveals himself and speaks to us through his word. We see in Hebrews 4.12 and 2 Timothy 3.16, through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a real big emphasis today because we look back in Acts 2 and what happened, the Holy Spirit fell upon uh, God's people and people were saved, people were changed, people were transformed and they were guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. And we see that it, it made them, the Holy Spirit convicted them. It changed them. It, it convinces us to do the will of God. The Holy Spirit nudges us and pushes us to do those things. And remember, he talked about the check in our spirit as well. He also, God speaks to us through relationship, through brothers and sisters in Christ. They can speak into our lives and we can see um, how God speaks because maybe in some circumstances, and that was another thing, circumstances, but in some circumstances we may be going through something and a brother and sister comes along and says a word of encouragement. Well, that's from God. So we see that he speaks through his word, the Holy Spirit's relationships and circumstances. Not only does God Jehovah speak which is simply amazing to me already that he has that personal relationship with us to speak to us, to have that personal um, intimacy where we can hear from God. That's amazing in itself because you hear of no other God that can do such things because he's the only one true living God. But not only that, but it's, a report, it's important how we respond to when we are spoken to. So that's what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning as we get back into Jonah is God speaks. Now, how do we respond when we're spoken to? How do we respond to that calling? What do you do when God calls you is the title of um, today. So let's get into Jonah chapter 1, looking at verses 2 and 3. It says, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go in with them to or to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. 
So just last week, we see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, that he spoke to him and he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. There's four observations that I want to look at in this passage. First is Jonah's response to the, the call. What did Jonah do? Well, instead of going east towards Nineveh and being obedient, he actually went opposite to Tarshish, which was considered the ends of the earth. He went as far west as he possibly could because he did not want to go where God had called him to. So he goes in the total opposite direction to where God had called him. Jonah is in open rebellion against God, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but he said he, fleeing, he is fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Now, can we really flee from the presence of the Lord? Now, it's inter- interesting enough, this fleeing is also mentioned back when Cain had killed his brother Abel. And when he kills his brother Abel, what happens is he flees from the presence of the Lord and he's cast out. But, but God is sovereign and he protects Cain. But I want it to be clear. I, I, this is my personal opinion. Take it or leave it. We, can't, we obviously can't run away from the presence of the Lord. He's everywhere at all times. He's omniscient. And so not only that... But I think that when we flee from the presence of the Lord, we're outside of the will of the Lord. We're no longer walking with him because we see Noah walked with the Lord. As as, uh, Pastor Richard had mentioned last week, we see that um, Noah walked with the Lord. We see Adam walking with the Lord in the presence of the Lord, in the presence, um, in the garden. When we see And with Exodus, Moses, who was called friend of God, walking in the presence of God. Abraham. We have all these Old Testament um, heroes of the faith or, or fathers of the faith who are in the presence of the Lord. So take it or leave it. But I believe that he's fleeing the will of God and trying also to get away from God because he knows that he's going to be in big trouble. And he doesn't want to do what God has called him to. So he goes in the opposite direction. He rebels against God. Jonah wanted God to find somebody else. As I've been going through Exodus uh, the past few weeks or a couple weeks, you know, it's quite funny how when God calls somebody to bring the word of the Lord, everyone thinks that they're incapable of it. Everyone thinks they're not equipped for it. And Moses, back in Exodus, when God calls him and says, go to my people and free my people out of the land of Egypt. What does Moses say? I have a speech impediment. I can't even talk. You expect me to go and take these people out? He said, why don't you pick somebody else? I'm not capable of it. And there's that saying that says, God calls and he equips. What is, what is this saying? Uh, he equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. And I think that is really powerful because as we look at Pentecost Sunday, we're equipped with the Holy Spirit. We're equipped to go and tell uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So the second observation, the first was Jonah's response. The second observation is Jonah's rationalization. Like Jonah, we have an incredible ability to rationalize our sin and rebellion. Jonah was going away, as far away from Nineveh, as far away as he could. He was going away from the obedient call that God had called him to. Well, first of all, he rationalizes this will be a difficult task. Because we see in Nahum 3, 1 through 4. And, and by the way, I am sorry I slacked off this week. I would have the verses up regularly, but I do not. So I'll just read it to you guys. Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder. No end to the prey. The crack of the whip and the rumble of the will, galloping horses and bounding chariot, horsemen's charging, flashing swords and glittering spear, host of slain, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies and all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betray nations with her whoring and the peoples with her charms. This is talking about Assyria which we learned last week, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. And this is the stuff that is going on in Assyria. So Jonah begins to rationalize, well, it's way too difficult to go to Nineveh. So I would rather be disobedient because I probably can't accomplish the task anyway. And as we'll see later, he has some other reasonings as well. The third observation is Jonah's reasoning. Jonah didn't want to leave his comfort zone. He didn't want to leave his hometown. He was comfortable prophesying to the Israelites. He was comfortable uh, proclaiming God's word to his own people. He was comfortable where he was at. How many of us are comfortable right now in those chairs? How many of us are comfortable in the position that we're at right now? We don't have to call other people to come to to Jesus because if we proclaim the name of Jesus, it might bring some uh, persecution to us. It might bring people to uh, speak bad about us. I'll be comfortable just being a Christian, an isolated Christian. Another reason of Jonah's reasonings, Jonah hated Nineveh. First of all, they were Gentiles. They weren't God's chosen people. He hated Nineveh because of all the evil things that they were doing. And Jonah most definitely didn't want want them to escape God's judgment. He said they deserve the judgment of God, but what was God doing? We've learned that this whole book of Jonah is about God and God's character. God was calling for mercy on a sinful nation. One, as as I just explained in Nahum 3, 1 through 4. They were known to bury their captives in sand up to their heads. They were tripping over dead bodies. They were whoring around with prostitutes. What kind of person like that deserves God's mercy and God's love? Well, I do. I don't deserve it, but I I would accept that. And God said, go to those people. And Jonah says, 
they don't deserve it. So now he begins to reason and say that I'm, I'm going to take, I know more than God does in this area. And I'm going to take the place of God and I'm going to instead, God was wrong right here uh, in saying that I need to go and preach against them. I'm, I'm to go and tell them of the wrongdoings, to call them to repent. If he did that, can you imagine how many times a, 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 the Assyrian empire had attacked the Israelites? If he was going there, it was pretty much going to death row for Jonah. He would go He would tell them that they were in sin, and the people wouldn't want to hear it, and then he would be killed. That's what I can assume was going through Jonah's mind, is that he knew more than than God. Jonah, the, the fourth observation, Jonah was fleeing the presence of Jehovah. Like I said, When we flee the presence of Jehovah, I totally believe we're fleeing the will of God and the call of God on our lives. We would rather fulfill our own desires, our own passions, our own lusts, than being a faithful servant who is obedient to the calling of God. This walk that we walk as Christians It costs something. It's not where we're supposed to be comfortable sitting in our chairs, going day to day, living our life. It's going to cost you something if you are a Christ follower. And to be in the presence of God is what we crave, what we hunger, what we were created for, which is going to lead us into our life applications. How does this apply to our life? How is God speaking to you today? What's your purpose? What is the will of God for your life? Only you can answer that. But I've got an answer too. But honestly, only you can answer, what am I doing today? How is God speaking to me? And how am I moving in the direction, either in obedience or disobedience? Is he calling you into a relationship with him? As we see in John 6, 44, no one can come to the Father, or no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Is God tugging on your heart? Come, Have a relationship with me. Give me your life. I paid the price for you to sit with me in eternity. And not only in eternity, but I will be with you to the end of the age while you are living in this life today. Is he calling you to say, come, just come. Let me fulfill and satisfy you. Is that how he's calling you today? Or is Christ follower... If you are already a Christ follower, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you have turned and said, you are now the master of my life. I am sorry for my sins. I repent, and I turn from them, and I am turning and running to live a life that glorifies you. Christ follower, follower, what is the will of God in your life? What is God calling you to do? And this is what I was meaning 
but I have the answer for you. I know what it should be. When we were at Secret Church last night, I've told you guys about Secret Church before. It was awesome. But it reaffirmed what we're going to be going into today. Write this down. If you Take this, take note of this. The ultimate purpose for every Christian follower is to enjoy and exalt God in all of his glory among all the nations. I'll say that again. The ultimate purpose for every Christ follower is to enjoy and exalt God in all of his glory among all the nations. To be in his presence. To be obedient to who he is. Psalm 27.4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 67, 1 through 7, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the people praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is all the way back in the Old Testament God tells Moses, I will make you a father of many nations, not just Israel. In Exodus, he tells Moses, go from, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that Egypt will turn to me and see that I am God, the living God. But the ultimate purpose is to be in his will. To be obedient to him, to be satisfied in him, to praise him, to exalt him. And in return, we spread it to the people around us. Because when you are satisfied in God, there's no way you can keep that to yourself. We speculate why Jonah did not do what God had told him to do how he went in the total opposite direction. But what about you, Christ follower? God told Jonah to go and preach. What does Matthew 28, 18 through 20 say? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We have a calling as a Christ follower. We have a calling to go and preach the gospel, to go into all of the nations, to all the people, no matter if you're in a job, if you're going to school, if you um, have a career path, if you're retired, we are called to go and tell about Jesus and the good news and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are we doing that today with 
every single appointment, divine appointment that we have, and every single person that we come in contact with, are we looking for an opportunity to tell them about Jesus? On Thursday, we had small groups. And we had a, a new lady come, um, and her, her son goes to Guy's Night um, on Tuesday nights over at my house, where we have a Bible study, and we fellowship, have dinner. And she says, Anthony, I've got something to tell you. I said, yeah, like not expecting anything. And she goes, sit down. So I sat down. She opens up her Bible and she, goes, she said, on April 28th, my son gave his life to Jesus. That's the mission we're called to. Are we giving every second of our lives to the purpose which God has called us to. Because that's the calling. And he says, I will be with you. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. He lives and dwells within us to fulfill that great commission. It is a command and we are to be obedient to that command. John 14, 16 through 21. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Do you love Jesus? He's with you to fulfill that great commission to go and preach to stand for the gospel truth, not to live a nominal Christian life, but to be a radical Christian. There's Secret Church. Over three billion people have never heard the gospel. There's 7.75 billion people in the world today And over 3 billion people have never heard the gospel, never even heard the name of Jesus. That is crazy to me. 3 billion people who are headed to hell because we are okay with sitting in the pews on Sunday and going and living our lives the rest of the week. That three, billion, that three billion, just to make you a little bit more comfortable, that three billion people is mostly in the Middle East and in Northern Africa. But there's still people that you come into contact with every single day that needs the gospel. The gospel is life-changing. It is transforming. So we have... We ha- there's a decision to be made when God speaks to us, when we know the will of God, the call of God on our life. Whether that's what, what am I supposed to go into? I'm still thinking about what I need to do for my career path. Um, you know, God, God can work that out. He can, he can use you in any way, wherever you are at. You just got to be willing. But there's a decision to be made. 
And what's that decision? To be obedient or to be disobedient. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Disobedience, Proverbs 3, 12, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, as does a father the son, as does a father to his son whom he delights. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son, and whom he delights. What do we see happens to Jonah? He is swallowed in the belly of the fish or well for three days, three nights, which is an example uh, of Christ. It, it shows Christ. It's the sign of Christ. Um, but he was disobedient, so there was a consequence. God punishes him, and through that correction... He brings him back to him. When I was back in Mesquite, I knew the call of God on my life. I went to Mesquite knowing where God wanted me. I thought first I was going to be going to Moody uh, in Chicago, which is a, a, a seminary. And I thought that was for sure where God was, was calling me. I prayed about it. I even sent an application, talked with um, the director, or not the director, but the advisor. And she told me, yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing you this fall. And so I was like, okay, God, like this is where you're taking me. And um, I was going to do first year online and then go to Chicago uh, that following year. And then next thing I know, I come home from work. And I, I received a letter that said, we cannot accept you at this time, and gave a listen. I was just so confused. I'm like, I thought I was in the will of God. I thought I was going where God wanted me to. What's going on? And then he led me in a different direction to go to Mesquite, to be discipled by a pastor over there. And so I was being discipled by a pastor in Mesquite. And I, I see why. I see God's work in it all. Um, but I became disobedient, started looking at my own passions, my own desires, living to the day-to-day, and what happened? I got disciplined. Lost my job, had to move back to Cedar, but through that discipline, God was still working. God is still moving even when he's disciplining us. And it's for our own good. His commands are not, we talked about this on Thursday, his commands are not given to burden us. They're given to make us have a good life, to enjoy him fully. So my question to you today, where are you at? How is God speaking to you? How is God calling you? And what are you doing in response to that call? As we have the worship team come up, pray about it. If you need to repent, if you're not eagerly seeking every opportunity and you need to repent because you have been living as a secret Christian who's not sold out, come, let's pray. If you just need prayer and guidance, if you need to talk with anyone, I'm here, Richard's in the back. Let's let the Spirit move today. 
Let's not be ashamed. Let's be obedient to the call that God has given us. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for your faithfulness towards us. As we see in Jonah, even when we are not faithful to you and not obedient to you, we know that you still love us. Your loving kindness is everlasting and you are continually faithful to us. You show us kindness and you're patient with us and I thank you, Father. God, I pray that you continue to move in our hearts throughout this week. We give you all the glory and honor and exaltation. It's your holy name in the matchless, powerful name of Jesus I ask these things. Amen.